AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. GG Poker is the biggest online poker site and they have more players than any other on the internet. Why play anywhere else? They have a wide range of games and unique features that you just can't find on any other site. GG Poker run huge tournaments with big prize pools and they hold the record for the biggest ever prize pool on an online poker tournament. There are games for all players at all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro, including cash games and exciting tournaments like Bounty Hunters and Sunday Majors. GG Poker offer popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. New players that make their first deposit get £60 in free play, 18 plus, new UK players only, minimum deposit is £10, full terms and conditions apply, begambleaware.org and please play responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. A camel, no. 
haven't had any sex for years. Why not? You're married. That's why. Well, well kids and stuff. It's done <laughs> yeah. that for now, so I'd love to tell you a good anal story. But... Well, welcome back to the Fighting Cop podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're joined by Mind Cloak and Cat. Law! Cat Law. Jesus, Sorry. Man. I always know you as Cat. That's all I mean. How are you? How are you guys? Actually, before you go into that, you uh, you went to Starbucks earlier, didn't you? Yeah. Oh. What are you saying? What are you... Went, went, went to the toilet. <laughs> For fuck's sake, wait! <laughs> what? Well, yeah. Yeah, I went to Starbucks earlier. This is. <laughs> I, can't, I genuinely had no idea what you're talking about then. Yeah, there was no loo roll in Starbucks. What did you do? I, I genuinely can't believe. <laughs> I had to use something else. What? Ra- yeah, well, a copy of Rattle. Complete wanker plan. A boxing magazine publication. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I look, it's not the fucking cock if you don't reduce it. How do you, but blood. what do you do? You get, there, there's no... I've gone in there and <laughs> there's, there's nothing in there. So what do you do? Well, you then, can't just walk out like in like with your pants around your ankles taking naps no, from mate. people's tables. You could. They know who you are as well because your name's on your cup. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, this is worse than Boris Johnson on a demir, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah. It's a fair pit. How is everybody? Good, good mate. Good. How has your summer been? Have you had a, a you know, a, the trust? Has, have you had a few days off? Oh, yeah, no, we've been on the beach, you know, all those free tickets that clubs send us for, uh, you know, taking out all of the, the sort of revolutionary fan things and making sure everybody doesn't complain against the club. So oh. they, they send us off to the Bahamas on holiday, all expenses paid, and we just got back from that, really. That's why I'm looking so brown. Are, are you irritated by something? Me? No. <laughs> when, when am I ever irritated? <laughs> <laughs> I can't want to say, no, it, it's been a way. Um, it, it, it kind of doesn't sort of feel like the season's stopped because uh, no. all the kind of stadium stuff and everything else that's going on, but, uh, yeah. But I think that was hugely predictable, though. Um, I was having a chat with uh, a a fellow fan in the Antwerp last home game of the season. He was like, oh, you must be looking forward to the summer. Be a nice break for you. And then he spat my vodka all over (laughs) him. This summer was never going to be anything other than chaotic. Why do you do it? Literally, why? why? Very good question. Because you don't get paid. I think my head's red. We've got heads red. Um, I think both of us are doers, aren't we? I think both of us like to, like, you know talk the talk and there comes a time when you have to walk the walk and back mm. it up and you can only sit on the sidelines moaning for so long before we, you know, do you not use you Twitter it. that's exactly what everybody does <laughs> you're fine if you yeah normally that. it us that's life is, now which is you, great you know we use Twitter yeah. <laughs> we'll get on to that yeah, yeah. absolutely we've had a nice break <laughs> yeah we've done nice been nice we were just saying before it's actually been a little bit nice I was like do you miss it and nah. <laughs> it's, uh, we do miss it it's not an obligation no it's um just work. <laughs> it's not been difficult the last couple of years when we're, you know, we're, we're good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there is all that turning, turning leisure into work, isn't there, really? Which I think, in different ways, we, we all do, don't we? Yeah. And mm. we sometimes think we must be a bit mad to do that. Mm. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's, it's, it's a weird thing. You kind of, you kind of walk down a path, and, and then at the end of it, you kind of think, well, this is quite hard work. Mm. But It's you know, different for us, though, because we're usually pissed or yeah, <laughs> high by the end of whatever it is that we're doing. Absolutely. Um, no comment. That's the answer. Yeah, it's Harry Kane's going to. Um, oh, I'm glad that's sorted. Man yeah. United, that's, that's 100 million pounds will get Harry Kane. Sick of dragging on. Um, Fantastic. It, do you know? It's one of the first times ever that one of our key players have been linked to a major force in in world football. And I'm not worried at all. So like, who's, who's he linked with? Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Taxi driver asked me this last night. He's like, uh, Mourinho wants Kane. I'm like, good, well, there'll be one answer to that then, and that'll be no. Yeah. I said, why would he want to take a step down? Well, it's it, an amazing it, thing to say. It is. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, it, you know, uh, there's been reports coming out of the club, but although I'm sure the club haven't responded in any way to 
the speculation, but the Independent released the story saying that Levy has put a two hundred million pound price tag. Like, yeah. And, and it doesn't strike me as something that, that Daniel Levy would come out and say or, or react to at all. I mean, just it's just a, a clickbait title, right? The Ronaldo stuff has gone as quiet has gone quiet as quickly as it became loud. Yeah, and it's there's a vacuum that needs filling, and it's easy to stick Kane in because you can say hundred million quid, and not everyone scoffs at it. Mm. I think that's yeah. about it. Long and short of it. So we're going to do a running order for this pod- podcast. Um, so I've got I'm, nothing in front of me right now. I've got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you don't worry about it. Oh, you're a pro. You can. You used it in the pod earlier, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a running order. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, but we see, uh, we put out a question. I, I was a little. I didn't. I, um, people haven't been t- tuned into Tottenham at all since since the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You can un- understand if everybody needs a break. I think we're moving towards looking forward to the new season. The, the fixtures are out and, and whatnot. Yeah. But um, loads of people sent in loads of questions. So we thought we'd fill this podcast with some questions for the Trust, uh, you and other members. How many members are there now? Ten. Well, members of the Trust or members of the board? Yeah, yeah. People are actually involved in... So there are ten members of the board mm. and there are, we represent about 11,000 yeah. actual members, physical it's, people. Is that significant for a Trust in football? Well, one of the bigger ones... Mm. Right. It's always kind of a niche market, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're definitely... We're certainly one of the most active in the country so and we're seen as one of the largest and most influential trusts in the country So well. I, I, when we started the Fighting Cock, I was kind of uh, a little bit of an activist. I kind of... I was The health of football was mm. important to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the older I've got and the longer I've done it, I, I'm, I'm generally less concerned, mainly because... I, I wouldn't say less concerned. I became um, a bit... Uh, what's the word you kind of I can't think of the word it's like a, ambivalent no, I, I, I just there was so much apathy around mm. football fans mm. you think why, why bother like why, why, why bother try and improve atmosphere why bother try and make a better match day experience when the vast majority of people go to football for escapism and I completely understand that yeah, I, I tried, to be honest, I tried not to for quite a long time um, because it was what I did on my day off. It's a, it's a leisure thing and I want to go and have a couple of beers with my mates and, and watch some people kick a ball around, mm. hopefully in a fairly organised manner and it mm. ends up in a net occasionally, you know, sort of uh, the one we're supposed to be scoring in. And that didn't happen for quite a long time. Um, but I think, so. I mean, I've, I have always been somebody who's kind of got involved with things because it's, as people probably notice, I've sort of got a bit of a big mouth, so I kind of like to speak my mind. And I think that's what Cap was saying earlier, that you're either somebody who thinks that you can just talk it uh, or you think you might have to do something about it. I don't think that necessarily means that everyone should do that. And I don't think it makes me better or it doesn't make people that start up to do things necessarily better than anyone else. It's just a personal decision. And I just thought in the end, you know, I'd been involved in things like, you know, I was a trade union rep at my workplace and I've been involved in a kind of couple of community campaigns over the years. So I've always thought it's important to try and do something and influence what goes on around you. And in the end, I got involved in the trust because I was fairly vociferous about what was going on uh, at the club. Um, the trust had kind of been sort of relaunched and renewed a bit when, when Cat and Down and, and Ellie and people kind of got yeah. involved in the wake of the whole stadium move thing. I think there was a bit of a cover new rush that went into the trust. And so I thought, well, instead of just talking about it, now's maybe the time to do something. Um, and, you know, you have times when you question your sanity and you have times when you think, are we really getting anywhere? 
Um, I think that, you know, I think most trusts will probably say that we, we function as an irritant. Uh, if, if most of the clubs were honest, they wouldn't want us there. They'd like us to just do what we're told and, and, and pay up. But I think there's a kind of a bit of a truce been, been reached now that the clubs know that if they can be seen to be working with their fans, they can get some good publicity out of it. Mm. So the challenge for us is that, you know, are we just being used or is there something genuine coming out of it? We have achieved a few things over the years. We've yeah, not we achieved have. as much as we wanted to, we're going to be honest. Mm. And I, I kind of think that our role is almost to be in the background and so that guys like you and the vast majority of the fans can go and can enjoy and have the best experience at the match. What we kind of campaigning for is to make your match day experience better. Mm. So if you don't notice these things, like if you're not irritated by a steward or the policing isn't over the top or you haven't paid vast amounts of money for your ticket, it's probably down to work that we've been doing in the background. Mm. But we, you know, we want to facilitate you guys having a better match day experience. When you say we, I guess it's the any, trust. any good trust. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But you, you, you find that in in times of when you need the trust or when yes. you need Ooh. when you need some part of voice. So we were out in, in Dortmund together. Um, mm. you know, we were all out in Dortmund, weren't we? You know, and after what happened in Dortmund, afterwards, yeah. You know, with the crush and stuff. You yes. know, the first people that, you know, afterwards, as I, as I was coming out, because obviously I'd lost everyone as I was coming out, and I, I remember bumping into into you guys on, on yeah. the way out. But then the first people that you want to go and talk to or you know that you can go and, and, and speak to about it was, was you guys and I think that's, that's a testament to you guys because like I say perhaps that might not have been the case in the past thank you that's um, really good to hear and yeah I mean I think we were acutely aware that night that we had a responsibility we, we, we are supporter representatives we put ourselves up there to do that we're elected to do that so when shit's going down outside the gates at Dortmund the, we're, we're going to have to try and do our best we're going to have to stay around till the last one of our fans is through those gates and it was a really yeah. tough night for us yeah. so we missed most of that match don't, don't realise the um, what, what happened um, we had Sorry, to yeah. it before but it, the Dortmund there was a crush before going in their stewards were probably instructed by the club or, or I don't know actually the full details but I'd imagine that they were instructed to not open the gates and there were more and more people arriving pressure was coming from the back people at the back didn't know what was going on I was happened to be there with my family I was there with my brother and my dad and one of the first times I've ever seen my old man actually afraid mm-hmm. um, you know the, the people could have got and did get, get hurt yeah there's yeah. pepper spray going off yeah. everywhere as yeah. well wasn't there uh, it was and an obviously outfall. when the gates opened it kicked off massively because people Spurs fans were angry at, at the stewards mm. for, for putting Might them in so. danger um, so so just as an example of what the trust does what what happened on that night how much of the game did you miss what was your role so we actually got to our seats for the start of the second half no, but 15 minutes in we missed about an hour of the game did we not get yeah. to oh okay well we didn't actually ever get to the <laughs> I, 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 missed, I missed the first half hour so you must have missed we a little bit we definitely missed seats. the whole of the first half and I do remember that when we got to well we couldn't get to our seats because all the gangways are, hmm. were crowded and so we had to hover at the back but then I'm taking calls from Donna Cullen who's the executive director at Tottenham because she's managed to get us a meeting with their head of safety and security basically at Borussia Dortmund and they want us in the concourse immediately on final whistle to have a massive conversation with Dortmund officials basically so we had to kind of prepare for that and try and gather our thoughts so I didn't take in any of that match but yeah. I didn't pay attention we actually, to any of it I mean it wasn't the end of the world we got actually caught in in, um, in the crush I mean I yes. dragged Cat through the gate mm. I mean it was a little bit of you know people were really helping out and the Dortmund fans were helping out as well it was actually good in there but there, you know there was a big crush the, the police were charging the, the horses were charging the side of where the crowd was as well so we were in a 
bit of shock, I think, when we got through. I think everyone will. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, properly, you know, and we met up with some of our stewards in there, and the fact that we could we could stand there and witness what was going on, mm. and our stewards, you know, Spurs, one of the clubs that takes stewards along, you know, sort of with away fans as well, because there's that kind of familiarity. Mm. They know a lot of our fans, and mm. if you travel regularly, the fans know, you know a lot of the stewards as well. So it's helpful that, that we could all witness what was going on and sort of put that... Um, you know, to the, the Dortmund officials afterwards, and then a lot of it was kind of dealing with individual fans. And I mean, we, you know, we were doing things right from. I think you know, Cat got through a whole pack of wet wipes because fans were coming through had been pepper sprayed, and mm. you know, like was stumbling around, and they, you know, they needed yeah. something to wash their eyes out with as well. Yeah. So from basic stuff like that, right up to for the rest of the time we were there, we were getting texts from people saying this happened to me. We were gathering all the witness statements. Yeah, so the, the, the German police tried to do the old blame it on the fans thing again. So we put that right afterwards yeah. as well. So it's all you know, it's individual yeah, huge amounts of media well. for the, the immediate 24 hours, 48 hours afterwards. But then we were also appealing for written fan accounts mm, yeah. so we could get a full picture as to what's happened. Mm. So we had a dossier of over 60 mm. accounts in the end that were really articulate um, that we compiled mm. and sent to UEFA and sent to both clubs so they could review. And I mean, they, they did change the arrangements for that entrance immediately afterwards because Sue Tilling who's our senior safety officer went back and did a site inspection mm. so for us that was a recognition that they got it wrong mm. but that's just an example of, of how yeah. how the trust can be a vehicle for something that yeah. that was was a genuinely scary and, and worrying time and, and yeah. you know, that's that's Dortmund I'm sure there's all sorts of other things of fans well, you built, you built it up over things. a while as well because what we've got to now is that we've got you know been doing this for a few years there's quite a few media contacts we've got people and we're, we're out there as well so we'll often get a call from you know before going to an away game especially in Europe when I say oh, are you going out there if anything happens can we can yes. we get hold of you now one of the complaints I think a lot of fans have had is that we don't especially if you're you know following an English club abroad you don't always get necessarily fair treatment from the press as well so one of the things we can do is go well actually we're there we've seen this actually what you've heard isn't what's going on if that isn't what's going on and we can put the fan side as well and to be fair to a lot of the press contacts they want to talk to someone who's on the ground who they trust who they've got a relationship as well mm-hmm. with rather than just talk to you know a random fan who, who might well have you know just as much or even more to say but they don't know who that person is so you know if you're you know i'm a journalist as well i'm a business journalist so i know that if you can talk to somebody that you know about you know you can vouch for you've got more confidence in the story that you're writing but that those relationships take a while to build up but that's something we can do and that's something that quite a few of the fan groups do now as well you find that they've got the connections with the media and if they're traveling then they will get in touch with them straight away and say actually this isn't really happening you know in the way it's being reported because people always think you know football fans must be causing trouble that's it mm. and you know football fans do cause trouble sometimes as well but a lot of the time I would say that I think we are judged quite harshly and do, um, a story. do uh, the football clubs need to have supporters trust do they need to listen do Spurs have any obligation in terms of Premier League roles to talk to you uh, at all no but <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you can jump in um I think most clubs are more aware than ever now of the need to engage with their, in inverted commas, hate this word, customers. Mm. Um, Because, you know, whilst our relationship with that brand is different to how it would be with any other brand, essentially, we're we're buying a product from them. Um, 
it makes business sense for them to understand what their supporters want. Uh, you know, in an age where you can access content, you can access football across so many different platforms, they need to really work to get fans to go inside those grounds. So they can tap into our insight there and that whole kind of fan consultation side makes sense for their business. But in terms of engaging with us as stakeholders, which is the road that we're going down, which is what we're trying to push. What does that mean? It means that, that we have an invested interest in, in the actual game. So we consider fans to be stakeholders of the game. Football without fans is nothing, is yeah. the much-used phrase, which is absolutely true. You know, try playing it in a ground with no fans there. You certainly won't be getting £5.14 billion pounds on a domestic TV deal if there's no atmosphere and no crowd. So we need to be aware. And also, you know, football clubs are part of the community. And, and, and we, we also, you know, we represent that. And we're the fan community. So that's kind of what a stakeholder is. Um, do you want to touch on the expert working group thing? Because you can probably do this more oh, succinctly yeah, than me on structured dialogue. That's the potentially dull big people yeah. politics. But I mean, <laughs> there, there, there is no obligation. And I think most people that are active in the fan movement would like there to be an obligation that every club should have a fan on the board. Um, if you want to use that horrible word stakeholder again, you know, we're the only stakeholder that doesn't have an input. And we'll say that, you know, football is run as a business now uh, in most cases. But it's fans are, are loyal. It's the old cliche. That Just to stop me there, sorry. You know that what... You're saying a fan on the board. Mm. It, that's problematic, though, isn't it? Because fans are emotional. You know, they're, yeah. they're, 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 in, in what, where, where would, does their involvement right, it stop? Would, it would either be an independent director mm. with the fans' interests or a fan director. Now, let's just get this really clear. <laughs> Certainly me and Martin have absolutely no interest of being a fan director that's at all. But, but where would it the needs, involvement stop? It needs to be somebody who has a proper skill set. I mean, look, they, they work this at Swansea, for example, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. You know, it isn't, uh, there are, there's a precedent there. Yeah. It's not impossible to do that. But the person would obviously need to be from the right background with the right skill set. It can't just be... Be random me, fans from Park Lane. At the moment, the, the, you know, bought, football clubs are private businesses, so they can be owned uh, by people that will, you know, be there for a few years and then they'll move on. They'll sell it for a profit and they'll move on. They'll go and do something else. Fans are there for the long term. We're there for good. So we want somebody at board level who's able to to put that forward. It's not, you know, do we choose who, who we sign or, you know, whether, you know, Walker plays as a fullback or as a wingback or anything mm. like that. That there's professionals employed by yeah. the club to the, do that. Yeah, Mill- 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 have a fan on the board, don't they, the board, Mickey? Yeah, sure. And um, Leighton Orient in their buyout takeover, yeah. they've agreed to have a fan yeah. on the board but there. But so the it does work. There is a pattern to it, though, isn't there? You look at Leighton Orient, Millwall, Swansea, those, those fans on the board have come from almost a point of necessity uh-huh. when... Yeah when the chips have really been down for, for those yeah. particular clubs which, which is sad that it's it has to come to that fact before, well, before that Swansea in, were you know that's changed around now isn't it and the, you know the interest has been brought out and there is still support or involvement on the board but Swansea's fans saved the club from going out of business and they came back through the divisions and went into the Premier League and that mm-hmm. was almost like the kind of the, the example and there is that challenge that's what's just happened with Portsmouth you know that time and time again happened with Bournemouth it happened with Northampton Town which was the first trust set up in 1992 the fans have stepped in when nobody else has been there when all of these business people who are supposed to know so much more than us, be much cleverer than us, have run the clubs into the ground. They would have gone out of business. The fans have taken it over. They brought it back. And then the challenge comes up. And that's what Portsmouth just had to do. They said, do we keep it as a fan-owned club? Or do we take the investment from Mm. basically, you know, a new owner, sell up our stake Mm. and actually try and compete at a top level? And that's something that you're always going to get. But, you know, what we do, the the trust in the Premier League, I think, work on on a very different level to a lot of the trust in the lower divisions because we're not silly. Fans are never going to own Tottenham Hotspur. You know, maybe there was a chance for that 25, 30 years ago, but it's not going to happen. Fans are never going to own Liverpool or Man United. Um, you know, they might well, you know, own Yeovil Town or Swindon or you know, wherever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's getting a little bit tougher. 
but the, the, the kind of the there isn't a requirement for clubs to do that. I think the clubs are the, the, the more forward-thinking clubs, and I think Spurs are among them, which might surprise some people. Realise that it's good to be seen to have the fans on side. Um, over the last thirty years, there's been I think five different inquiries into the way football is run, uh, and all of them have said football is run incredibly badly. Uh, and the threat's always been the government's going to legislate. So you go into that big argument about should the state interfere or not. I, as somebody who generally thinks the state has got a role to play, thinks that there are problems with the state taking over and running football. I, I wouldn't necessarily like to see that, and no-one's suggesting there's that full model. But the clubs and the leagues are terrified of any government involvement. So what they're having to do at the moment is that they're having to prove that they will voluntarily engage that other word again with their friends. They'll talk to them and have a bit of a relationship with them. And they've got this horrible thing called structured dialogue, where we now meet twice a year with the Premier League. One rep from every, every uh, fans group uh, mm-hmm. Premier League club sits down with Richard Scudamore and all the top brass from, from the Premier League and discuss stuff like safe standing or away ticket pricing that's where the £30 ticket price cap came from as well or the thing that, that, that fed into that um, so but you know it's, there's a lot of flaws with that as well but the thing that we've got at the moment where we've got a little bit more leverage is just that if the clubs aren't seen to be trying a little bit to at least pretend that they're listening to some of what we've got to say then there's always a threat of the government saying well, well you get a fair amount of public money you're not getting that anymore and by the way we're going to legislate to make you do it and these are people that don't in, have been in, told what to do in fairness just to clarify there the Football League have put structured mm. dialogue into their rule book. Yeah. So the, those Football League clubs have to sit down with recognised fan groups a minimum of twice a year and share information to a level that is agreed on strategic and financial issues. The Premier League have chosen to go down a best practice recommendation route, so they haven't made it a rule, mm. which we think is a cop-out. Mm. But as it happens, we're already above that minimum level of engagement with Tottenham anyway. We meet with them three times a year, so we'd already set up our own mini structured dialogue dialogue before this all became you know part of a well yeah. it would be legislation as it were so. so you meet Daniel Levy and the rest of the board on well, twice a season three three times three, a season yeah um, what's so as, as a fact I mean, what, Alex what do you think what's your feeling about Daniel Levy currently well a lot more, a lot more positive than it's been in, in the past I mean I was always one of these people that was always I don't think he's ever been as evil as he's been made out or ever as the messiah is he's ever been made out either. I was always quite quite down the middle. I feel on the whole he's done a, he's done a decent job um, and feel has the best interests of Tottenham at heart on the most part. Um, but I, I guess but what, 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 I'm, what I'm asking now, Al, is, is it like, like top line, what, what, what do you see, see him as? Is he... It, is he a good chairman? Is he is he someone who has the, the yeah? I'm, I'm quite I'm quite willing to say that I feel. Or is he in, it's completely involved or interested in the economic side of, of Tottenham? Where, where do you where do you lie as a as a? I, I feel that he's a good chairman, but has a healthy relationship with with the business side of, of football. And I wouldn't want someone who was purely a fan in, in in charge of my football club. And I wouldn't want someone who was purely about numbers on on a spreadsheet in terms of my club. And I, I feel I feel he runs the line. Okay. Yeah. Actually, so I, I, I always have them. I've I'm always in a, felt like that. Similar situation where, I mean, like you said, there's been times in the past where I've, I've wanted him to go completely, yeah. but um, well, he's not Messiah, is he? He's not perfect either. He might have made mistakes or decisions that have not been in the greater good. And um, I think, for, on the whole, the majority of decisions that haven't been in the greater good have, have managed yeah, to not come there, on. There's, there's some mistakes that he's made that are unforgivable, in my opinion. The structure stuff at the yeah. start, but you know, let, let's leave that aside. That was a moment in our history, and it's gone now, and it's fine because we're getting a stadium. He's done incredible to, to, to not just him and everybody involved as well. Has done an incredible to to build a stadium in North London where it's so congested. 
it's just unbelievable that this is happening. But my point is that um, he's managed to... Someone who's as cynical as I have been in the past, I'm kind of okay with the fact that... So, so there was a video at the NBC film yes. that he was in, and, and he was talking about NFL, and he was, he was talking about it quite positively, and mm-hmm. then he had the NFL go, and, and like, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't give a shit about NFL... But I wasn't offended. Yeah, I, I was kind of understanding that this is the way the world has moved, and I don't know if it's part of me getting older and working in the commercial sector now that I'm more open to that. But Maybe I, 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 I think kind of, I think he's engineered himself through generally being a decent chairman. Yeah, I think where we're forgiving of things that we perhaps wouldn't have been otherwise. Yeah, and I think I think what he does too, he's not a chairman that you see giving interviews every other week. No, he's not. A chairman is not David Cur- Gold. Yeah, is, is is chasing limelight. So when when there's an interview or a, or a statement or something to be said, I think he says it in a relatively good way. You know, you look at someone like at Middlesbrough, people like Steve Gibson, for example, mm. who has been there a long, long time and and is generally considered as one of the better chairmen in terms of managers, in terms of kind of steps back and lets people people get on with it. But I think those chairmen that don't chase the limelight or the limelight isn't thrust upon them because of the actions that they're doing I mean really the only narrative that we get with Daniel Levy is the whole transfer deadline day thing which, which isn't is, even real which isn't no and and he's and again like I said I think he runs that line I mean we all have views of how our transfer business should be done and, and I certainly would like more stuff done early but I can understand the market that we're in and the type of club and where we are at the minute but sometimes that's not always possible and we have to kind of go last minute but what I'm saying is he runs I think he runs that line fairly well without courting unnecessary attention for things that don't need attention so our question to you is mm. uh, having some you know, met him three times you've probably met him 15 times no he's now yeah huh yeah a lot a lot so w- what is he like to deal with and what's your opinion of him, of him as the Tottenham chairman or do you want to abstain no no fine <laughs> so what he's like to deal with he's really professional as you would expect so Martin and I especially will prep our asses off before we go into a meeting with him because if you're going to try and challenge one of his decisions or try and push back on one of Daniel Levy's positions and you're going toe-to-toe with him, you need to know your onions. You're going to be badly exposed. So, really? Of course. You know, we go into those meetings and we have to discuss with our chairman issues that affect us as fans, as, well, I would say equal partners, obviously we're not, but on an, on an equal footing. You know, there's, there's no kind of, you know, legislating for the fact that we have day jobs and we do this voluntarily. You need to know your stuff. So that's why we put in so much time so we understand all the nitty gritty and we have a better grasp of detail than certain members of the board now on certain issues because <laughs> we, we just genuinely, you know, really, really work hard on that. What's your opinion so, of him then as a chairman? I, as a chairman, yeah, I, I rate him. He, he's incredibly bright. He's really intelligent, but he is a fan, and that is important. I know, I know what you're saying about not wanting a fan to run your club, but it's important that they understand the Tottenham way kind of things and the Tottenham tradition and that they get that. And you think that. he does? I do, I do think that he does. I think there are some difficult decisions he has to make because that doesn't always align with what would be the right business decision to make. But, you know, he's also a lot more engaging than you would realise. And I think if he was more comfortable in talking in larger groups and more regularly, that would do his own kind of brand, his own persona, an awful lot of good. Because he, he is pretty funny pretty engaged he's got a sense of humor mm. as well but i i get the impression that i wouldn't say he's shy but he's much more comfortable operating my only reservation my only reservation with it is i feel that and, and this this may be perfectly legitimate because of the type of businessman and, and the business that he's in is that 
you know, I've no doubt that he's a, a fan of, of, uh-huh. of, of sorts, but um, when the chips are down and there's a decision to be made and whether it, whether it falls on the either side of the fence and whether it's going to fall on the side of good for business or good for fans, then it's going to fall on the side of good for business, not, not good for fans. It is, but I think More or less, but we'll use StubHub as an example there. Mm. StubHub did come back with another offer that was quite substantial, and the club turned it down. All right, OK, so we've got a question on StubHub. Quickly. Oh, do you? Yes. Go on, then. Hang on. Where is it? <laughs> uh, I can't find it. <laughs> Just make it up. StubHub, what happened there? What happened there? Yeah. So after four years of lobbying for an end to the partnership, the club actually did end the partnership. But wasn't, so, that, wasn't that about us? Because a lot of people have been saying it's about the, the limited capacity of why our lane yeah. uh, is a way com- of managing yeah. that. The, com- the commercial model changed, but like, we know that they did get another offer. StubHub mm. wanted to stay involved with them. The commercial was, can you commercial. ask? No. You don't know? No. We know that they got another offer. Well, we, we, we can't share the We know how many yeah, figures yeah. it was, but it's commercially sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that phrase. It, it was a genuinely big offer. But also, you know, we're not silly. We, you know, that the commercial model changed as well for next year, so maybe there was less advantage. But, but uh, this, is, this is, However, yes. you know, it was two things that they, they, they recognised the bad feeling that was generated by that as well. And, if you, you know, when they first presented the deal, they actually said that as a, a benefit of you having a season ticket, it means that you can sell your ticket for well over... Uh, the advertised price, the face value, we can get into all those definitions as well. But you could sell your ticket for a lot more money than you paid for it. They advertised that as a benefit. So we got that knocked down. We got it capped, which was the first time globally that StubHub had a, a capped sale. 150 quid was still too much, but it's better than what it was. What for those that don't know, before. some of the tickets before that cap came into place, were, there was 1,500 yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah. 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 For West Ham home game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's going... In, in, in fairness, I will I will say, like I said, it's good that, that obviously yes. they've they've looked at that and, and now and now rectified it and said recognise some of the bad feeling it's done. But StubHub as a, as an organisation is getting you know, terrible press anyway. I'm sure that helped. You know, I mean, you've only got well, a look, we, you've we, only got. We, a look no, at we're the... going to take all the good yeah, 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 going yeah, in yeah. our direction. I mean, you've got absolutely. Look, we, we, Bring we, it we, on. The case we got asked to go to there was an, uh, a thing called an all parliamentary all party parliamentary group, and they set them up to kind of investigate particular issues. And uh, the, the issue of, of uh, secondary ticketing agencies in the music business is a massive one. Sean Hodgson, the MP, had been putting a private members' bill through, got talked out. Um, that, that campaign was still going on. They set up this parliamentary group. We were asked to go and because well, there's something going on with sport, isn't there? As well, we went, yeah. Well, let, ask us along, and we'll tell you what the issues are. Quite a few other trusts, you know, I think at Everton and, and Liverpool, they were also on Everton. Had started, Everton in particular, they, yeah. they, they were kind of pushing it as well from a kind of a, a principal point of view that they didn't like the secondary agencies being um, involved. We didn't like what it was doing commercially to the model mm. that was there as well. And through that, you know, there was a kind of basic campaigning, but there was also that kind of building up the background noise, if you like, and a lot of the clubs are realising now and the game itself is realising that yeah, it's not particularly good for their image to be associated with these no. what they call themselves a secondary ticketing agencies most people will still say well it looks like legalised touting to me hmm. and they realise there's a bit of an issue there so with all of these things I mean we've thought at times oh we kind of banging our heads against a brick wall here you know why are we kind of carrying on with this and it took four years and it took a change in circumstance but you know, it was part of it, the pressure that fans put on, the noise that was made, the campaign that was done through the national fan organisations, the Football Supporters Federation especially, it all helped to create that yeah. environment where I think secondary ticketing agencies are on the way out of football now. I think, and that's where football fans can be very grateful and, and happy of the fact that they either have 
a lot of people have a, have a trust that can be part of that process or they can mm. get involved with a trust that is part of that process because you only have to look at, you know, if you're a music fan, mm. you know, what, what voice have you got against StubHub? If you're a boxing fan right now, for example, you know, mm. matching with yeah. you with the Sky stuff, you know, use StubHub extensively, you, you have no voice because there's yeah. no team you support. You know, football fans have vehicles such as this to yes. be able to do it and I think yeah. that's something that we lose sight of a little bit from time well, so to things time. Things happen in ways that you don't expect as well because we talked a little bit about the £30 price cap for away tickets in the Premier League. That's going on for another two years so nobody will pay more than £30 for an away ticket now those of us that have been campaigning on pricing for years have just been using the argument tickets are too expensive and then you get there well it's a free market gov you know the supply and demand and that's what they get pushed up for the way that that argument was won in the end was by saying to the Premier League the reason that the broadcasters are paying you billions of quid every season to cover your game is because of the passion that goes on in, in the stands and that's because there are away fans and home fans and there's an interplay between them if that goes if people end up getting priced out and that's the first thing that will go if people are feeling pinched in away travel because there's all the associated costs mm. on top of it then you've got a problem with your product. Mm. Now, somebody like me was quite uncomfortable with arguing that because I'm basically saying, we're, we're, we're a commercial product. This football crowd, these individual people are this big lump and we're a part of a commercial product. Yeah, in the same but, term, but you yeah. know what? If that's the way we get £30 tickets, then I'll take that argument mm. as well. I would rather... Everybody in football said, you know what, £30 enough to charge for a football ticket. I think, I think we'll go with that out of the goodness of our hearts. That was arguably never going to happen, mm. uh, and that's it. So, you know, we took, but we, none of us ever thought it would go that way. I have a quick question about away about away tickets because, uh-huh. as I said, we don't need too much deal. But I've seen with the, with the Virgin um, yes. media side of things where they've said there'll be where they think twenty is plenty and then refunding the yes. difference if you have an away ticket that might. What's that, that? So Virgin Media. Yeah. Essentially saying that they believe with the yeah, is it so with the FSF. It is so yeah. Virgin Media. Um, they're, they're partnered with the FSF at the start of this season. So Virgin Media sponsors Southampton, yeah. and so from the start of this season, every set of visiting fans to St Mary's, Virgin Media have subsidised their thirty pound tickets down to twenty quid for adults, basically, and any concession rate. Do you down still to have to pay like well. ninety quid on Virgin Media that it gets you to cost their train <laughs> their trains ridiculous. Right. Yes. So this is an no argument. Oh, okay, but apparently, right, okay. Virgin Trains and Virgin Media are completely separate. Of course they are. Oh, I, I was under the impression company. that it was... If you might, it's, not, it's a nice profit thing. and loss. Nice yeah. They oh, just okay. sit under Sorry. the same Virgin yeah. brand and brand. But I fully intend to use it as leverage. Don't worry. Okay. I don't really care. Yeah. That I was a bit naive about that. Okay, fair enough. No, um, <laughs> but um, Virgin Media then wanted to ex- extend that to all travelling fans. So they wanted, like, over two weekends, so they'd get all 20 sets of fans travelling away over two weekends, that they would do this reduction down to £20 for any £30 adult away ticket or any concession down to 20 quid. Yeah, so you needed to send your stub back and fill out too many forms and get a cheque back, basically. Let's uh, let, let's talk about some of the questions we've got. OK, mate. Uh, we've got some good ones in, um, some difficult ones also. Amazing. Uh, chilly Willy, no, chill... Chilly Willy? Chilly, I'm, no, I'm Chill Will six. 11. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? 11? Yeah, yeah Chill Will 11. <laughs> I've read it at Chilly Will. It's tiny. Um, no, he's Willy. I thought you were asking uh, who I was. What, what, uh, what, what steps are being taken to ensure that we don't do a West Ham when it comes to moving seats into the new stadium? Apology. I oh, forget it. Yeah. All right. So, is, is any discussions that happened so far? Mm-hmm. If I say minimal, that that's probably doing it a disservice. Yeah, discussions have happened, but they haven't massively progressed to any stage of detail yet because we've had to sort out 
Wembley. So that's obviously two moves in two seasons. Mm. So migrating everyone into Wembley to a satisfactory level was the priority and still remains a priority. But as soon as that job is done, um, then full attention will turn to migrating fans into the new stadium. But it will be an entirely separate process. Right. Uh, What's happened to get people into Wembley okay. in a satisfactory So way. essentially it's been, well, we'll call it a lift and drop. So they've lifted people in blocks and okay. they've dropped them into what they deem to be equivalent seating in Wembley. Now it's obviously difficult to yeah. you know, put, provide equivalent seating from a stadium three times as high. But there's, there's a conscious effort to do that. Yeah. Yes, there has been. So for example, um, all of the East Stand, all of like where the shelf was, wrapping around all of Park Lane have all been lifted into either south, southwest and wrapping around that west goal and because the blocks at Wembley are so deep you can fit both the upper tier at Mm. White Hart Lane and the lower tier at White Hart Lane into one block basically so Martin was historically in Park Lane upper so he's been dumped around the southwest corner bit and I was historically in the east and so I was dumped into the south bit but you know other mates who were in Park Lane lower are now just a few rows in front of you so that's so probably that's why there was a really lots of concentrated area lots yeah. of individual seats, seats left. Only, yeah. it will have been in that area yeah so and then they tried to move some of Paxton into the west as well but there wasn't enough space to do all of it so some of them ended up behind the east goal but essentially they've lifted and dropped and the theory being that if you hated your seat that phase one was lift and drop so every season ticket holder the 19 and a half thousand ones were offered a seat that Tottenham deemed to be equivalent comparable. and exactly yeah. com- comparable very good work <laughs> Um, phase two, if you didn't like the comparable seat, you could select and move anywhere that you wanted in that lower bowl. Everyone was forced into the lower bowl to maintain good, the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, it is good in, in terms of if you're watching it on TV again, you're going to have a full lower bowl. It's good that if you don't sell out, you can shut off the upper tier and you're not having to pay for you know all the stewarding and policing and, and opening a full and running a full stadium. It's bad because it means the lower bowl at Wembley is priced higher than the, than the upper bowl. Right. Because obviously the, the view is much better the lower down. It's the reverse of how it used to be at White Hart Lane. So it's, it's kind of taken away the choice of cheaper seats from all of those people. So that's, that's a negative. That's, yeah, that's a brilliant example there of, of how the dealing with ticketing is probably like the, the, the biggest thing we do. And I mean, Kat was talking about kind of making sure you know your onions. I, I don't, she could be embarrassed, but I don't know a better ticket rep of any trust in the country in terms of knowing the, the, the technicalities of, that, of the whole thing as well. But the problem that, that we've got is that you, you said, that's good, in it? That we've got everybody in the lower tier. Last week, we had somebody going like, you lot always screw the members over because you've, you've stopped us going in the lower tier and you've stuck us all in the top. So what people tend to look at is their own individual circumstances of course, yeah. as yeah, well, yeah. and that's always the right thing to do. Uh, well, I, don't, I don't want to go into politics, but that's what every individual does on earth. The best ticketing system yeah, is a, a system that works best for you, exactly. It's kind of infuriating in a way, because there's always a drawback to, to, to some of it, isn't there, as well? Yeah, but I just but quickly answer your question, which was how are we then migrating? What they would do to move into the new stadium, it, it can't just be a simple lift and drop no. because the pricing structure in that new stadium that they haven't shared with us yet for general admission fans yeah. is, is going to hugely dictate where people sit. You know, I, I might like to sit in the big, huge 17,000-seater you know, single stand in the south. That vastly depends on how much they're going to charge me. So, uh, you know, and if I could move with all my mates or blah, 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 and if all my mates want to do that. So what Tottenham are doing is engaging, and I hope I'm not speaking out of order, engaging an external 
consultancy basically who are specialists in this and they'll be rolling out a big communications piece to what's now nearly 40,000 season ticket holders mm. um, in the autumn to try and gauge with a, a better idea of what the pricing is going to be so they'll say you know look where knowing what you now know where do you think you want to sit in the new stadium so they can try and look at numbers because if 40,000 want to sit in a 17,000 yeah. seater end they've already got an issue so they can try and work that out and then it will be their job along with hopefully us feeding into that consultation process as well to work out a priority system for selecting your seat so that could be based on how long you've had your season ticket how many points you've got what membership strand you're on where you sit in the current stadium we've got a survey live at the moment that I'm going to plug if that's okay because that's trying to cover off quite a few of these questions as well and there is a section there asking for seating preference so if you can go on to surveymonkey.co.uk forward slash r forward slash thht 2017 that again just yeah surveymonkey.co.uk forward slash r for romeo forward slash tht 2017 i'll tell you what if you if you and it's pinned on our twitter profile yeah it's pinned on thst yeah uh, and also we'll we'll tweet that'd be amazing as many completes as possible so that's a big job of work and and that needs to be done even more thoroughly than Wembley Wembley is basically your holiday season you're just doing it for a year you can cope with it it's 19 league games when you're moving into your new stadium it's your home it's your, where you're going to be sitting permanently yeah. so and it's vastly important especially within the club as well I mean I think the first thing they've learned from West Ham is don't do it like West Ham yeah. so West Ham have, have been really helpful in providing a template for how not to move a stadium they just mm. said buy whatever seat you want and I think that what the club have proved this year is that they said we recognise that people want to sit, you know, that the part lane would like to stay together if it could. So that's been more possible this year. As Kat was saying, obviously next year it's going to be a bit more difficult to keep the part lane together mm. because we don't know what the pricing structure is as well. You know, if the pricing structure is right, there might be a way of doing that. But there's going to be lots of choices that people are making. But I think I think the West Ham thing, they've, they've recognised what went, what went wrong. I think that when we started talking to them, and so we haven't had the sort of detailed conversations that we'd like, but there were two different feelings within the club about what would happen between people going to Wembley and then going to the new stadium. And some people said, well, everybody will just want to sit in the same place and in the kind of same sort of seat. Mm. But other people on the club's board were saying, well, actually, no, and they used that. It's a bit like the year away on holiday. They might try something a bit different, but then when they get to the permanent stadium, they might want a, a kind of different seat. So somebody that might want to stand in a noisy block might say, actually, want to go away, I like standing around and being a bit noisy, but at home, I like sitting down and being a little bit quieter or whatever. So we were able to say, well, actually, our feeling is that quite a lot of fans would you know, want you to do it that way, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't want it to be taken that where I've decided to sit at Wembley is absolutely going to determine where I'm going to sit yeah. at the new stadium. This new so that's where be, it's interesting sometimes yeah. that you can kind of say, well, actually that half of the board is, is more in touch with what we're thinking than that half as well. It's going to be so fluid with all this new stuff because as much as we know, we, we think we know what the new stadium is going to be like, you know, going in there, being in that, that single tier might be incredible and I'm sure it will be but it might not be what up, up to what everyone exists or, or yeah, exactly. it's, it's been different. built up so much that single tier now yeah. that, is, that if you're like, it's just an appeal really if you're not interested in creating atmosphere you don't have to sit there yeah, exactly. that tier has to be yeah. the epicentre of what Tottenham we've had the part lane we've had the shelf we, we created that ourselves yes. Okay, th- th- those stands were special because of the fans the wall or, or whatever you want to call it the single tier stand will be special because of the fans that are in there if you're yeah. not interested but you just want to sit there because of the novelty of sitting in a single tier stand that's similar to the Dortmund's wall in my opinion this is my opinion 
Don't sit there. Yeah. Sit I there if you want will, to create noise. Can or, I just or flag something else. though? What? If you is it at Ajax that you'll notice that their traditional noisy area. Mm. This is what happened to us at Wembley during the Champions League games when the club, quite rightly, designated four blocks, which were atmosphere blocks. Mm. So if you wanted to make noise, buy in there. And they were quite clear about that. They were the, it was the atmosphere section. So obviously I bought in the atmosphere section, Martin bought in the atmosphere Doesn't section. Well, people turned up and went, OK, I'm here, so where's my atmosphere? Mm. It's like, no, loves. You've got to put the sodding effort in. You can't just pitch up. Gun, I think, Correct. And that's what worries me about the single-tier end. That's what worries me about what you've just said, that it's been billed as that. Well, that's uh, why because, the pricing structure is going to be so Exactly important. right. Yeah. Because the, it's quite feasible that the people who do want to create an atmosphere will move in there. But it's also feasible that the people who want to be part of an atmosphere without contributing will move in there. And that's when it gets dangerous. So what you will find is organically, little areas will crop up and they'll end up in the hotbeds. Probably the best way to do it. Exactly. And it'll grow and it'll, it'll yeah, grow it'll in its own thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've got a, a guy called One Season Wonder. He's not a massive fan of uh, Daniel Levy. Oh, yeah. Uh, this podcast starts with hashtag Levy's got a brand new yacht. Um, how's a stadium that's 10 years in the planning still need a loan to complete to build? I Can mean, I do my line, though? <laughs> Which was, I could have been planning to buy a house for 10 years, but when it actually gets to buying that house, I'm sure as hell still going to need a mortgage. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think everybody knows that, <laughs> it's, uh, that there's been lots of things happen between when we started this yeah. and, 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 we're, and, and building a massive stadium is expensive. Look at the economical changes in the yeah, last 10 that, years. That, that's, I mean, it's that's ridiculous. The main thing. I mean, the thing that, 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 that has hit, I mean, you know, Brexit has changed things around as well. So mm. we're buying materials at the moment. Um, and you know the, the, the market has changed, um, and I'm, you know I'm sure people don't want to get into some kind of boring financial no. um, analysis. Of that. No, 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 no. But I mean, what I think the mistake a lot of people are making is just going, oh yeah, but when Arsenal built their stadium, and it's like that was a completely different part of the. It cost four hundred and fifty million, right? You know, the housing market was different. The, the, the property thing, it was just completely different. So there isn't a comparison. Well, no, because um, they ran out of money in the middle yeah, of it yeah, as well, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, the answer to that question is that it was, you know, there's a lot of stuff was planned. 10 years ago but now we're actually doing it you know this is where the banks are lending the money and there is no project of this size uh, that is built without loans we're, we're reasonably lucky that one of the guys on the on the trust board now works for one of the big banks in the corporate finance section oh, so he actually knows this stuff and he, okay, if you want to do the really boring financial or it'd be interesting if Michael did it but if you want to do that he would come down and talk about it but we could say to him alright are they just kind of trying to blind us with numbers here or is this right and he'll go no no that's what, that's what usually happens mm. in this sort of project I mean, and this it's good is, to everyone board and, and I'm, I'm sure this has probably already been covered but no cup games on this on the season yeah. ticket in there the top line reason as to why so it was to give them more flexibility with their cup pricing and package wise because last season when we moved the Champions League games to Wembley and took those out of the season ticket pack so Villa, it gave them, Villa and it gave them the flexibility to sell those as the group stage pack which oh, everyone okay. loved right. and it went okay. there really well so it's kind of they can be a bit more flexible with okay. that if that makes sense yeah, that was a thinking behind okay, it okay so another one from one season wonder uh, while we're at it uh, why does Levy hate Spurs fans so much? <laughs> well, Seems he treats us like client reference numbers and cash cows. Look, I, well, I, I, I agree with that. I get the, the term client reference number, but why does he hate Spurs fans so I mean, much? If I was going to do the Twitter answer, he doesn't hate Spurs fans, he just hates you. Yeah. Right, and that's it. But that, obviously that would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's not true. I think, look, you know, of course, I think Lee, we said it earlier. I think he is a fan and he does get it, but he's also a businessman. He comes from a different background to us. He's not going to sit, you know, in an office and have a couple of beers and do a podcast or something. Is he? he is a different kind of fan. Although so we will try for you, Flav, we will. Yeah. We'll I want to interview We'll try. That's my dream. I, I think, I think the bit about. different social backgrounds as well. Bang on one minute, Martin. The bit about strapping kittens to his head, though, that that wasn't great. Was well, that was ages ago. I know, but he's, he's probably still scarred by that. that we can't have forgotten that, and now you brought it up again. I mean, so, that's fine. Like, we're never going to forget that. I mean, it, it, was, it was the worst question. I don't, we didn't answer it. I can't yeah, I, I think one of us. Look, that's fine. I mean, you know, I, I don't actually genuinely think that we're ever going to get Daniel Levy on there. But if, you, if you listen to this, Daniel, and, and you're <laughs> we, keep, we keep saying, go and do something like this. Why not? You should. Yeah. Because Shorter players listen. I'm we're, not gonna throw, players we're not going to throw him under the bus. We're not, you know, just pass this on of course Danny come on Danny <laughs> amazing on. But he, he, does, he, look, he does look at it in, in a different way um, to what we do and I think, well, then know, he has but, to but, but, but then that's part of the reason when people say well what are you doing part of the reason that we keep going there and if we have to irritate him to do it we're going to keep saying remember there's this sort of fan as well he's turned around and son, son said to us a few times well actually everyone every fan isn't exactly like you there's other sorts of people we've got as well she's obviously yeah. completely wrong well, we had an interesting one <laughs> first member who said I don't see you saying much for the, the executive box holder oh, fans God. and like to be honest right, we don't do a huge amount because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of demand but also they've kind of got quite a good deal yeah, yeah. <laughs> apart from the fact that they pay for and the they're not it's a different <laughs> thing as well you know um, so there's always there's always some issue in there what I would say is that uh, Daniel Levy's son was at uh, the Fighting Cock Live oh wow Wait, excellent yes, he stuff he wasn't good at the show he, didn't, he wasn't interested in the actual show yeah but he, he, we, had, we, had the, we had the live screen of uh, Spurs versus yeah. Liverpool so he used us really we got, just, we got pumped 2-0 it was, it was deeply upsetting yeah. uh, ok I've got another question uh, Stephen Smith he says next season drink at your normal pubs and then head to Wembley or drink around Wembley what What's what's happening around Wembley in, in terms of pubs? Is there nothing, mate? Um, we're still waiting for the police to confirm the split because there will be a home and away split, obviously, and that will depend to a certain extent on where away fans are travelling in. How from. many away fans will so, it be? Three thousand for league games. Is that all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the rules. That's the rules. Three thousand. Yeah, that's okay. nothing. Yeah. No, gutted. Gutted Arsenal. Exactly. Is that going to say what about cup matches? No, so we'll abide and adhere to the rules of each competition. So, so what's the FA in, Cup? Is it, um, in the Premier League, yeah. just so you know for next time, it's if you have a stadia over 30,000, then it's 3,000 that you need to give. If your capacity is under 30,000, it's 10% of your capacity. Hence why, like, Watford and Bournemouth yeah. allocations are lower. The FA Cup is 15%. Yeah. And the League Cup is ten percent, but a maximum and three. And wafer matches, no, no, fifteen and ten. So, so if no, so so only the Premier League. Only the Premier League have that rule about the ten percent or the three thousand. Mm. The, the FA, the FA Cup is fifteen percent of your stadium's capacity. Is that still subjected to so, what happens with with so like they, police and stuff? So when well, Arsenal give us nine percent, so, so I mean, it can be. But Tottenham are very keen to play by these rules. I think they're still mightily pissed off at the way Arsenal pulled that stunt yeah. when mm. we got them in the FA Cup third round a few years back and flatly refuse to honour mm. what in my opinion should is well, are we, the rules of the cup the freedom of information stuff in and what the yeah. decision was and we're still waiting for it yeah, yeah and we, years but now, then we, we haven't let it go at all because yeah. we freedom of information every time they give Watford 15% or they give whoever else 15% but, but the bottom line to make is, a point is, is that yeah. so um, Wembley have been tasked with doing a piece of research here because it's not just about giving that many tickets away you've got to be able to segregate it safely okay. and that's not just inside the internal bowl that's all your concourse and all your facilities and if you need what they call a sterile entry
entrance, which would be an away fans only entrance feeding into that. So there's quite a lot of work to do there. So Wembley were going away and looking at how they segregate at 3,000, how they then segregate at the 5% for UEFA, the 10% for the League Cup and the 15 for the FA Cup. Yes, Vlad. How are they going to get 3,000 Arsenal fans safely into Wembley? Mm. Who cares? <laughs> but how are they going to do it? How are they going to do it? That's going to be impossible. Wembley is the is the worst stadium to go to yeah, but, for I violence. Mean, we've done it with you know it, it, it splits you've done it for itself. What? Well, cup finals we've done with Chelsea say, you could say it's less of a challenge than if you've got like nope. 30, 40,000 Chelsea and Tottenham fans yeah exactly. it's only 3,000 yeah. you know yeah oh, well all I say so pub wise sorry yeah. pub wise so we are waiting for the police to confirm and then we'll know what's available to us I'm not a Wembley pub aficionado but I have man- I've volunteered to put myself on the line basically and do a recce what an absolute hardship go mm-hmm. around every pub in Wembley well, and do a little recce the, this is one of the things that we you know we really want to stress how hard we work <laughs> <laughs> going to be trying to visit as many of the pubs around Wembley as Can I come? just to sample them and we'll get back to them. It's a dirty job but someone's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it would be tremendous if we could still support the pubs in Tottenham but I'm fully realistic that that is one hell of a journey yeah. from Tottenham over to Wembley before a game after six pints. It's not no, really going to yeah. work very well. I don't think anybody will be doing that. No. Do you have six pints again? I don't. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm usually just a cup of tea, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not true. <laughs> uh, Paul Barnes, he asks, uh, um, LP loyalty points on away, bronze with three, 300 plus have occurred them in a more difficult and ad hoc way than season ticket holders uh, who can't go. Uh, but this is the argument about loyalty points in members and loyalty points yeah. in season ticket You've got me again because of the ticket in question. Um, I think the the main headline here is to reinforce that priority for away tickets has always been with season ticket holders. That's always you been think that's right? a benefit. Yes, I do personally because you've got to look at you have in, a season ticket. Oh, obviously, I'm, yeah. it's just for self interest, <laughs> love. But I I think you've got to incentivise that purchase. You know, season tickets aren't cheap. You know, right. I've paid up front the best part of a grand every summer for twenty years now to keep my season ticket. Especially when we're moving into a, a much bigger stadium. You know, what is the incentive to make me do that? I could probably just get match tickets now on an ad hoc basis and go when I wanted and not have to make that commitment so you need to try and sweeten that season ticket purchase that proposition so yes for being the fans that make the most upfront commitment of time and money every summer I think it's absolutely right that they get they get priority on, on, on away tickets it's always been that way so members would only ever access those after it had been through the season ticket pool mm. so if the season ticket holders can't be asked to go to Sunderland on a Tuesday night then it would drift down to members and it might even go to general sale the, the real problem that we're looking at now is that we've almost doubled the number of season ticket holders. Mm. So we, all, we had 19,500 who were vying for 3,000 away tickets with 3,000 corporates who could also access some of those wow. right, sitting over there. We're now moving into a situation where we'll have 39,000 season ticket holders and 8,000 corporates all trying to get the same 3,000 tickets. So how you're going to do that in a reasonable and fair manner is the bigger question for me than how members are going to access it. the club discussed this yet? I mean, no. It's a loyalty point thing, isn't it? It's a huge question and you might need a whole system overhaul, but it's... I've been asking the question for three or four months now, at least, if not longer, and the club haven't come back with anything solid. It seems like such a difficult question to ask. It is a difficult question. The club have to obviously get as many home season ticket holders as possible. Yes. Away season... But but it's it's less valuable in terms of tickets. But but I think we're culturally changing here as well, and it's kind of like we might need to look at how other clubs with far larger season ticket bases 
operate that. So oh, the Man United. Arsenal, well, exactly. Liverpool, I mean, I've got Man, a lot of well, Man United run a ballot, which yeah. I think is a terrible idea they because hate all, it. all that happens yeah. is it, the tickets end up with the same people just paying massively over the odds. Yeah. So there's, I've got issues. Look, there are problems with every single system. At the end of the day, and Martin and I said this till we're blue in the face. The, the club employ highly skilled professionals to run their ticketing department. So any solution should really come from them. But we're more than willing to like take ideas, take suggestions, mm. and look at the fairest way. But that's going to be a, something that needs looking at as time progresses. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, uh, to answer Paul Barnes's question, I, as a, as a member, as a bronze member, who's been offered season tickets before, yes. actually every season for the last yes. three or four. I can't afford to do it, but um, I appreciate the amount of money uh, season ticket holders put mm. up every year. Um, I think it's a different level of loyalty than than the members. Uh, are able to show now we're in a position where there's season ticket hold uh, season tickets available mm. uh, you have your opportunity to, to become a season ticket holder so just grab it isn't it? I don't think this argument is relevant anymore really you can buy a season ticket pretty much I you mean, mean what, in terms of away games no no I'm talking about no it doesn't say about away games oh, we moved on to it but well, if, if you're going to Wembley now you got offered a, yeah. uh, up to 40,000 is that right so that they're yeah. yeah they're offering up another eighteen thousand four hundred and sixty five season tickets. And how many people do you know turned what was offered one but didn't take one? So we don't have the stats for what is phase three. Sorry, it's quite yeah. complex. Phase three is offering out the new season tickets to the top of the bronze waiting list. That window was closing at five o'clock today. Mm. So we don't have the stats yet as to what the take up rate was there. We know that the take up rate was really high for renewals existing season ticket holders how many was it about 800 or something like that I didn't renew even less than that but even if you went like half so say they went to 18,000 on the list right say say half take it and half don't so you're going to get to what about 27 but then they'll offer further down the list again so they're, how they're, far they're, in your gut they how far down going. the list do you think you'll get 85,000 they'll keep going until they sell them all which yeah, is what we argued against but, but, what do you <laughs> think, but where do you think in your gut it'll probably get to I mean you think it'll get further than 30 oh. it's so difficult yeah. because the club has never asked bronze members why they're a bronze member yeah. so it can be from a myriad of reasons it can be because you get a better membership pack. It can be because you had the priority booking window where they used to put the thousand tickets on pre-sale. You got access to the multi-game packs. You know, all the rest of it. It doesn't have to have been because you wanted a season ticket. Mm. It can just be you enjoy being a member of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And they never did that research because they wanted to turn around to banks and say, we have 85,000 people who are waiting to be season ticket holders. Of course we can fill our stadium that you're helping us to, yeah. to build. And you, you know, well, it'd be interesting to see how far it goes down, wouldn't it? Exactly right. The take-up rate historically at White Hart Lane was about one in four, yeah. but you would think it would be less than that because the, the reasons for, for fans not taking those seats have gone, as in I didn't want to sit in the West. Uh, I, I'm going to wait till my mates have been offered them. Yeah. They've kind of all gone now, so we'll see. But you're offering a season ticket at Wembley, not a season ticket in the new stadium, so the take-up rate, I think, will be different. I think if you'd have offered it in the new stadium, it would have been much higher. I mean, one of the things they're finding out, because, I mean, there's never been so many new season tickets going to say at any no. time before. I'm not sure if there's ever been that number at any club actually so it's kind of completely new territory but I think one of the things I'm finding out is that it, it, it's more important than a lot of us might have realised that you want to sit with your mates as well. and I think that you know you could have said well people just want a ticket and they can see their mate in a pub before and afterwards anyway so it doesn't really matter 
where, where you, you know, whether you're sitting with a group of mates. And I think what they seem to be finding more, and this is just anecdotal, one of the things we're trying to get some stats from them, is that how many people are saying, I want to hold on until my mate who's further down the list has got offered a ticket as well. Mm-hmm. You know, is, that, is that almost... I, I, my gut feeling is that price and whether you can sit with your mates are the two big reasons in, in people deciding to take up a season ticket. Yeah. But, you know, that's, it's a gut feeling. I'd be very surprised if price wasn't the top. Mm. I think, I think it's important. location as well, though, and we learnt from the ballot mm. last year. Yeah, yeah. I well, put my hands up. I completely underestimated how important the stand was to people. Yeah. Yeah, I thought absolutely. it would just have been, I can sit with, I've been offered a seat, I can sit mm. with mates, I can afford it, but it's mm. north upper, but I don't care because I'm in the ground. No, oh, was, it vastly mattered. I was completely it vastly mattered. We had conversations that even kept going towards the last, you know, like for the Arsenal mm. game and the United game, where other than those two yeah. games, where you're just desperate to get a ticket anyway. Yeah. You know, as it happened, you know, I got I got offered one for, for the Arsenal game, like in the West Lake Road to West Lower towards towards the North Town and I was genuinely disappointed and, yeah, and yeah. there was to a point where I was like do you know, I might not bother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, because I, I, I've got quite a lot of loyalty points as a member, not as a, as a season ticket holder, and I managed to get in the South Stand for both of those games. I probably and, I just didn't want to risk it. You know what I mean? Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're incredible experiences, and I think everybody, most people. Uh, understood uh, yes. the, the way the club proceeded with that. You know, you mm. can't choose. Everyone, if everyone okay. chooses to be in the South Stand, it yeah. becomes impossible. I was lucky enough to get in there, but um, it's it, it, it is crucial because everybody's match yeah. day experience. I hate using that phrase, but the match day experience is based upon what you're used to and what you expect. That's that, but, that, but, match day experience. I, I, I would make it a change as well because one of the things that has come out is that a lot of people they, they like to be in in a, in a part lane lower because that's where the atmosphere is but they also like it because and they see it's connected with the atmosphere it's quite near the away fans so if you like noising up the away fans and you mm-hmm. like that interplay and being quite close up now in the new stadium and at Wembley and at Wembley the away fans are at the other end mm-hmm. so we've already had people going no I'm in the atmosphere block but they put the away fans in the other end so that ain't going to be the same is it mm-hmm. well it, no mm-hmm. it isn't going to be the same uh, it's not so it's people are looking for this comparison exactly right they, exactly know. right but referring back to our wonderful survey again we do ask your questions ask questions yeah. on that so yeah. well, I think I think with well, a lot of that as well it goes back to you want it again yeah hang oh, on <laughs> surveymonkey.co.uk forward slash r forward slash thst 2017 when uh, when we played Arsenal I, I got I was in block 35 which yes. is right next to the way yeah, yeah. and I was like just not sure if I can take that. Like, I, can't, <laughs> I don't want to be near them in any shape or form. But when we're playing them and they beat us, but the fact that we we done them, it was we just done them <laughs> in magic. I was sat next, so I was sat next to Windy that day, and I, it, our relationship hasn't quite been the same <laughs> since that game. What did you do? Well, I, I I I lost it that day. I just was. It meant too much. You kept slapping his chest, apparently. Yeah, like, turning around and just hitting him in the chest and like pulling his scarf to choke him and stuff. <laughs> just because I couldn't do with it. Yeah, the steward said there was a bit of blue on blue, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and just shouting. Oh, windy. I, I couldn't do with it, yeah. He isn't built for that kind well of thing. Well, soon, Windy. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there's lots more questions, but uh, we've got to close up because I have to go and pick my girlfriend up from the from uh, Paddington. Yes. Uh, uh, are you, uh, I admit you've got a girlfriend now. I saw on Twitter today you were denying No, so... so uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. What happened, what happened was... was I'm his girlfriend. I yeah. posted a picture. Yeah, you are. You're pretty. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I posted a picture of a lady who's a friend of mine and people jumped to conclusions. 
People, eh? People. One guy from who definitely listens. He's from Sweden or something. He was like, if, you, if she isn't with you, then I'm no with way. You. <laughs> <laughs> First dibs. <laughs> yeah. Ramones has not been caught looking at a picture of a lady who. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, okay, so one, one more question. So, a, a, any news on match day pricing for Wembley? So people aren't. Oh, God. Um, that's not a god at you. And approximately what 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 cost have you okay. had? Have you had anything? So this has been a big bugbear of ours because for me I can't understand how you can put a price on a season ticket without saying what your match day pricing is. So match day pricing is what you charge for each game, funnily yeah. enough. Yeah, so what's the ticket for exactly, them? and they're all categorised. So you have like six category A games, which are your oh, Arsenal's, yeah. Chelsea's, yeah. United, West Ham, all the rest of it, and then you have you know a split of B's and C's, B's and C cats. So you know you shit game will be in your cat C level and they'll be cheaper and how a season ticket is comprised for me is the sum of those 19 prices plus either a bit more because it's a debenture almost and you're reserving your seats and it's all convenience for you or a bit less because you're a loyal fan and you're paying up front and you're making that commitment but to set season ticket pricing with no match day pricing we have got no benchmark so we can't turn around and go how much are you paying a game if you average out the season ticket, it's thirty-eight quid. Is it, mate? Five, so I've got, I've got lower. I'm the seven cheap, seven five. What are you? Option. You six nine five. Yeah. Right. Okay. So but, but thirty-eight I, quid. Yeah, but I can't. Quite I can't tell you no, if no, that's no. a good deal or not. I've got feel was that they should have gone much further on the pricing for Wembley, and I've got we feel was we... that they did the bare minimum on that. If but I... match day pricing, they've still not confirmed. I think it's. I think they're waiting for all the take ups of the season. I think they are too. And what will but, then happen, Flav? Very quickly, mm. is that all of your lower tier and your club Wembley seats will have gone. So you'd be ending yeah. up with your level five. And historically, yes, historically Wembley would charge the level fives at much lower than the level ones anyway because it's so, so far from the pitch so we could be in a situation a where you get a 5 mm. a 10 a 15 20 quid oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but then the season ticket holders who paid an average £38 for a game yeah. um, never had a choice of doing that yeah. it's not really great so match day pricing is another thing that we were supposed to be d- discussing on a call that mm. we had been promised and we'd scheduled in for 4 o'clock this afternoon that the club cancelled 39 minutes before the call I've got to say so, as, there as a go. member I've got no objection to five pound match day no. tickets. Well, it, no, it's, it's a tricky one because we're not going to object to cheap prices. <laughs> no, yeah, but, but on the other end, there's the season ticket holders who do. Surely people cool. understand the greater. You know, there's an opportunity to no, bring they, in. What do you mean, surely? No one well, understands anything. You know, I hate people anyway. Let's <laughs> okay, look, thank you guys so much Welcome. for coming down. Um, we've got to do this more regularly because it's been about a year or, or so. Yeah, can um, we? Do you want to touch on? It's boring. Wasn't there a question about what had we done with? Neelix's body. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the last time we were on. Which was Neelix. I didn't, I didn't leave you out. Oh, right. Yeah. I didn't put that in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so We love you, Neil. We've got a lot of you. I haven't seen him since the podcast. No. Uh, he's an easy one. He's on Twitter. Honestly, when, 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 when you've got a bee in your bonnet about your football club, you become active. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we, you know, things are going well, so why? why? <laughs> exactly. Anyone who comes out reading it now, out now is uh, well. That's the challenge. You see, that of all trusts to say that you know what you actually need is a massive crisis. So you know that's what we need. We need us to kind of you know, be battling relegation, lose all the players and whatever, and there'll be a massive upsurge. Of Please don't say that when we're at Wembley next season. But, right? this, but, don't this, say that. Yeah. but this is it. Uh, this is one of the things is that why I kind of, to some degree, toned down um, the activism was that when things are going great, it's, it's easy to support Spurs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when things are going bad, it's. 
it's easy to be annoyed. I think I think when things are going bad, the problems seem bigger. Yeah, you know, for, and you know, there's there's kind of, there seem to be more of them. But uh, you well, know, when let's have a bit going, of well, mid-table action this year. You know what? I'm a bit pissed off about that, but I don't mind too much. Fundamentally, we've got a great football club. That's what that, it is. And that yeah. is fantastic. Have. It's been the best couple of seasons, despite all the business stuff and all the other stuff that we talk about off pitch. The football that we've seen in the last two seasons, I, I haven't enjoyed myself so much since the early '80s. You know. Yes, that's thanks, thanks to dad the, the, to daddy the dad yeah daddy potch daddy potch daddy potch I'd say he was my dad I love my dad I would yeah, yeah. I'd 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 love my dad in an instant yeah. I'd potch at my house Remember, imagine walking in like, give you a big hug give you a bit of things where he puts your hand on your face and he'll go sit down he's a spag bowl wouldn't he bloody would as well thank you guys no worries thank you remember to follow at THST official Yes. Oh, I, I pulled out. Well, well done, mate. You can't even remember your own. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, um, but yeah, we'll be uh, coming back very regularly soon in the summer at some point yeah. uh, talking about transfers and that when one happens. Uh, Marcel. <laughs> let's get let's <laughs> thought we were buying Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever go into the club? Do you ever go into it looking at Daniel Levy? What signs of fucking players? <laughs> When we, sign, when we sign Ross yeah. Barkley, I'm going to do a one-man pod. Did you see that someone put that up? They did like a kind of what it's like being a Spurs fan. They did this chart of like you know, you know, like Ronaldo and we end up with whatever. And they, like Ross Barkley, Ross Barkley, Ross Barkley. The best one was the fake taxi <laughs> meme saying, "Fuck, say hurry up and get it, get it out." We're talking about Levy's one. You love, love yeah. fake taxi. That's why you find that so fake funny. taxi's right. pulling up trees. I tell you, it's, it's a genre change. I hope that wasn't too deathly boring for you. No, we're still recording. Are you? So. Uh, <laughs> bye. Right. <laughs> 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 he's, he's not longer the big dog. Look, he is. I'm not a big dog. <laughs> you are. I'm just the main dog. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Does your insurance agent treat you like family? Insurance Corporation is programmed to build interpersonal relationships with members of family units. We communicate on a four-name basis with all customer numbers. Only a human who knows you can create a plan that's right for you. That's why for more than 80 years, Farm Bureau Financial Services has built relationships first and plans second. It's your future. 
Let's protect it. Talk to a Farm Bureau agent today or visit fbfs.com slash protect. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.